Hello and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Wilson and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat Beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's going on? Not much, David. It, it felt weird to take a one-week break. I don't know the last time we took a, a a week off from this podcast. It feels like we've been going for like two years straight. I know. Pretty, I mean, pretty much have. I think we maybe took one week off last off season, and I used I'm, you can't see me obviously, but I'm doing giant air quotes uh, <laughs> to say off season because it was what like five weeks long. Three of those weeks are for agency in the draft, so like right, exactly. So and then it was like preseason time. So uh, yeah, I, I think we've probably taken one week off in the last two years, and we obviously have made up for that with. Um, during the finals in 2019, doing like multiple episodes per week, so uh, we're we're still at a, at a pretty good clip here. But yeah, good to, good to have a little week off. Um, I think we also took that week off hoping that we were going to come back and have a have a two weeks worth of stories to talk about. And I guess technically we do, but that is uh, two weeks worth of stories in the NBA these days is pretty much the same as uh, zero weeks of stories. Because, uh, we do not have a lot to talk about this week. No, I, I was. We were just talking about about this before the pot, before we started recording. Um, this is probably the quietest time of the entire NBA offseason, just because like you know, early in the offseason, especially like with the Heat, since they were eliminated in May, you saw the rest of the playoffs to talk about. But then right after the finals, it's the draft, and then it's free agency, and then you're reacting to free agency. But um, yeah, like that that like in between period right after summer league or like in, you know middle of May to Labor Day, basically, there's like nothing going on. A lot of the Heat people are on vacation. This is the time to take off. Like this is this is the dead time for sure. Yeah, there's not even a lot to talk about league wide. I guess the Ben Simmons, but like that's not anything new. Um, his yeah. reported like trade demand. Uh, but yeah, like I'm looking at the top headlines for NBA on ESPN right now. I'm I'm just gonna read you. Uh, I'll read you all of them. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, Rondo and Lakers age wisdom key to title run. That's the top headline on ESPN. Uh, number two is former Celtic center Taco Fall signing with the Cavs. Uh, you got Kevin Love buyout talk. You got Team USA's uh, Olympic draw, I guess. I don't know. Team USA World draw. Cup. World, Cup. Oh, World Cup draw. Yeah. Uh, Team USA Cuba coming up. Uh, you got a Bulls and Markinen signing trade with the Cavs. Um, and a uh, video showing police using a stun gun on, on Jackson Hayes from the Pelicans. So, um, yeah, not the, the whole NBA is uh, – pretty quiet right now yeah uh i I start to pick up i think next week definitely in two weeks but like they always say like right after labor day that's when like guys start going to the gym again and start going into the arena just to start working out and and different guys you know the team not the entire team but players on the team get get together and play pickup games and you know at the arena so after labor day here uh i think we'll start to see a little bit more action yeah um we've got a couple i guess uh, I don't even know if news is the right word to describe this. It's the lack of news that we're going <laughs> to talk about. Um, but a couple of things, heat topics we want to talk about. Yeah. Um, I, I, the first one is, I think the it's going to be the next piece of news for the Heat, right, is going to be these two-way contracts potentially. Um, what's the latest there? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of surprising they haven't even used one yet. Um, yeah, we thought for sure they would use one coming out of Summer League, basically. and then, Right. Save one potentially, and I think they still will. I think from what I from what I understand, it's pretty. It's gonna be it's like any time now. This might be actually outdated uh, by the time you guys listen to this. This might have happened already. Uh, but signing 
uh, Marcus Garrett to a two-way contract is imminent. Like it's going to happen, mm-hmm. or at least that's the expectation. Unless like he gets a standard deal out of nowhere from an NBA team and he doesn't sign a two-way with the Heat. Uh, but the expectation is that Marcus Garrett and the Heat will, you know, they're going to get him on a two-way deal. So uh, it hasn't happened yet, and until it happens, you really can't like say it's 100% certain because you just never know. Um, but um, I, I would say, you know, I would think by the end of the week that that news will drop. So we might have more news to talk about next week. We'll see, David. Um, That's true. And I expect the second two-way contract probably they'll leave open, which the Heat have done in the past. Um, yeah. They kind of create a competition with the Exhibit 10 guys um, for that last two-way. They like to – obviously, it's the Heat. It's all about competition. Um, they like to create kind of a, a competition among those guys. So I would think by the end of the week, Garrett is in a two-way contract, and then the second two-way deal probably remain open um, until they fill it like toward the end of the preseason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we talked obviously more in depth about Garrett during summer league, and um, we talked about the idea that the Heat basically clearly had a type of guy they wanted to get out of summer league. Um, you know, whether it was Garrett or Dejan Giroux or even some of the other like backup guards in summer league uh, were, were similar type of players. Um, what is uh, why, why is Garrett the guy that you know? Obviously, well, he he played well in summer league and was one of their top guys. But why is that the type of guy that? the Heat, clearly uh, became fixated on adding on a two-way deal this offseason. Yeah, well, uh, first off, I think it's worth noting that Jarosz, um signed a two-way deal with the Pacers last week, so yeah. he is not no longer available for the Heat. I think that there was some thought, we, ta- we even talked about it a couple weeks ago, David, whether he would sign both those guys to the two-way deals. Like two, they're kind of in the same mold, guards who are good defenders, need work offensively, you know, but athletic guards and, and it seems like the Heat preferred Garrett, which is why Giroux ended up signing with the Pacers. But, I mean, you could just tell with the way the Heat filled their summer league roster, they had a type, right? They were looking for for a certain type of player uh, that they thought they would need um, on this roster to provide some depth. And Garrett proved to be the best one. I mean, he's obviously an incredible defender. Um, defensive player of the year as a junior, runner-up last year as a senior at Kansas um, you saw it in summer league. Malik Allen was very impressed. Every time we'd ask him about uh, Marcus Garrett's defense, he would just say he's a very, very talented defender. Um, he can good on the ball, good off the ball. Six ten wingspan for a guard. Um, he's gonna help in that area. I think immediately if he's asked to play or give you some minutes if guys are hurt. Um, offensively, he needs work. Um, not a great three point shooter. Um, Shot a good percentage in summer league. He was actually one of the more efficient offensive players in summer league. Um, mm-hmm. A little surprised by that, just because that's not what he's known for. Uh, but the, the offense is what's going to be the next step for him. If he can develop into a solid three-point shooter, he'll probably be a good NBA player or at least a rotation player um, because he has a defensive. You know, he has a defense already. It's just about continuing to improve and, and become consistent on the offensive end. So I, I think they, they see this as a worthwhile. Um, you know, developmental project where defensively they don't need to do much. I mean, obviously they'll, they'll you know prove his knowledge of the game and have to get used to the speed of the NBA game. But offensively, if they could just develop his shot, he could be a, a a good solid NBA player. I think the big question around him is going to be, you know, the Heat have not been shy or maybe even just have have needed sometimes uh, these two way guys to play in the NBA over the last couple of years. Uh, yeah, I think of going back to Chris Silva. Remember, we we were really like monitoring the 
way the Heat managed him to try to maximize how much time he was in the NBA versus how much time uh, he was spending away from the team. Um, and this year, I don't think it's a secret that with the the a lot of money going to four guys, basically, um, depth is a, a concern. And right. it seems, you know, Marcus Garrett seems like he's next in line of that Heat two-way guy who they rely on more than probably the average NBA team relies on a two-way guy. Um, you know, some of those two-way guys now are former two-way guys uh, who played big, you know, real roles in the last couple of years. Gabe Vincent, Max Schroes now going to be like regular NBA players this year and probably rotation guys. Um, and Garrett, like like I said, is probably next in that line of, of a two-way guy who's going to be in the NBA a little bit. And, and I think the question is, you, you mentioned, obviously, the speed of the NBA game, that's the kind of thing you can never adjust to or never um, – quite no, quite account for until you see it actually play out. Um, but I think having that one skill, the, the one skill that you feel like tra- is going to translate, um, makes it makes it possible to kind of use that guy, uh, even if it's – to use that guy in the NBA in a in a smaller role. Obviously, you saw it's true. They trusted his shooting, basically, like it let him play when they needed it. Like he had a role – um, Gabe Vincent, kind of similar. Um, obviously, Silva, going back a couple of years, it was it was the rebounding, the energy. He gave them something they needed. Um, Garrett gives them kind of something they need, right? I guess Lowry, you know, they've got some good perimeter defenders, but but Garrett gives them gives them a guy who, like, you know what he's going to be able to do when he's out there, and that's going to be probably important for this Heat team this year. You know, he's not yeah. going to play every night, but I don't know, he's probably going to play 30 games or something. Yeah, it would not be, and especially you know with, with the two way rules, kind of similar to last season, where you could be active for up to fifty games. Like, right. he's basically an extension of the NBA roster. Yeah, I mean, he's probably gonna spend some time in, in Sioux Falls just because that's going to be an option again this year now that the G League is back. Um, but I, I wouldn't, yeah, like I, like I said, I wouldn't be surprised if he if he gets some NBA run, especially just because of you know with Victor Oladipo hurt, um, like you just mentioned, like Gabe Vincent's basically the backup point guard, I guess, behind Lowry and Tyler Hero, if you want to classify Tyler as a point guard option. Um, then, I mean, Gary's not really a point guard, but he was used a little bit in that role in in summer league, and he could play on the ball a little bit. Um, so he, he, you're going to need some guard depth, and, and Gary will provide that. And, and he's going to be, you know, he's already an, an above-average NBA defender. So that's... That's a pretty good starting point, you know, for a two-way guy you're bringing into your developmental program. Yeah. Um, yeah. Obviously, the depth is going to be uh, under the spotlight this year, but but Garrett, um, you know, that that's one more guy, right? And but like you said, they, they can kind of think of him with that rule as, as a guy who is the third-string point guard most of the time. Um, not every night, obviously, but mo- more than 50% of the games, it's, it's possible he could uh, – be dressed and, and be kind of filling that role. Could he um, be a could he be a Tony Allen? I know some guys that some people have compared him to Bronte Weber. I don't know if you, were you here for the Bronte Weber days, David. Was I here for the Bronte Weber days? I don't think so. I always like Bronte Weber from VCU, right? Yeah, VCU. He was like uh, I'm trying to remember. I mean, he was definitely in the Heat G League system. I think he competed for a two way. I don't think he was. I think he was kind of before the two way days, so like he kind of missed that. Yeah. Uh, but he was in the Heat system for like two or three years and. Fans were enamored by him because, like, he's a really good defender. He had, like, all the physical tools. But offensively, he just wasn't – he just never could develop a really 
like out good outside shot, so it, it hampered his NBA chances. But yeah. does he remind you of that, or do you make him more of a Tony Allen type? Like who does who would you say Marcus Garrett reminds you? Of? I, I think it's hard to ever compare anyone to like a Tony Allen type, unless it's like Matisse Thybul or whatever. And I know they're they're different like types of players, like play different positions, but because. It's so easy to look at a guy and be like, oh, that guy's got all the tools on defense. Um, but there really is a difference between, like, really good defenders and that elite, elite level of defender. Like, if Tony Allen was, like, a 10% worse defender, he, like, is not an NBA player, right? Yeah, it's true. Like, that that's the thing. And so with Garrett, he either gets to that level and he's, like, a really valuable starter slash six-man, yeah. important role guy, or he – you know, develops that offensive side of his game a little bit more, and, and he can be a more well-rounded player. Um, so I think that I think that's the the more realistic path for him. I think it's hard to ever project that someone's going to be like a Tony Allen type defender. Um, especially he's he's still pretty like he's going to have to bulk up. I think a little bit, right? And he yeah. obviously do that uh, pretty well. But I, I think the safer projection for him is that. He ends up being a really above average to a very good defensive player and then adds an offensive skill set, right? Like whether that is a real, you know, he becomes a three and D type guy um, or, you know, he becomes like a, I don't want to compare him to George Hill because I think that would be like, you know, that that guy's got a, the chances that Marcus Garrett's going to have a George Hill type career are unlikely, but, um, you know, if he could be that kind of guy where he's got a, you know, he's got a real, you know, he can he can handle a little bit. He's a good catch-and-shoot player, and then he's a very good defensive player. Like, I think that's probably the mold you're looking for more long-term with uh, Marcus Garrett. Short-term, I think you just want him to tread water on offense and, uh, you know, give you something on defense. I guess my question is, will Marcus Garrett ever be a defensive player of the year? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I, I agree. I agree. I mean – He's, we've seen it with KZ, right? Like, you can be a really good defender and have all the physical tools, but if you don't develop an offensive game, it's really hard to play you in today's yeah. NBA. Or if you're not, like, an incredible, like, one, like, top three defender in the league, basically. Right? Like, Tony yeah. Allen never really was much of an offensive player. I mean, I, yeah, I always think of that Warriors series where they had Andrew Bogut. Yeah. Um, Matisse Thibel, obviously young, could, could get better offensively, but that's why he can play right now. He's not very... Doesn't bring very much on offense, but truly, truly elite defensively. Um, but those guys are, you know, how many players play in the NBA? They're like one in however many guys are in the league, or two yeah. in however many guys are in the league. Like they're, they're 450 really guys around there. Yeah, yeah, it's like very rare to get to that level, um, and I, I think it's hard to ever bank on a guy getting to that. Which is why, um, you know, like the, the issue with with KZ was not a defense. It was that his offense never or has not gotten to the point yet yeah. where you can really take advantage of that defensive skill set. Yeah, I agree. Agree. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
right. Uh, Storyline number two we're still waiting on um, news from for is uh, the NBA's investigation into the Kyle Lowry uh, sign and trade, the tampering investigation. Uh, you were off last week, and uh, Barry Jackson and I were kind of alternating shifts of like, all right, if this news happens, you got to be ready, uh, and vice versa. And it never happens, and it still hasn't happened. What's up? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's not much of an update here. You know, like, this stuff is kept pretty kept under wraps um, pretty well by the league and, and the teams obviously involved. Um, the only thing I would say is I was told when this all started that it would take a, a good estimate of how long this would take. It would be about two weeks or maybe a little longer than that. This weekend is going to be going to be the fourth week. Like, it's going to be four weeks. So um, it's taking a little longer than probably some expected. Um, but... I feel, you know, obviously not knowing what the result will be at this point. It seems pretty safe to say they're not going to avoid the move for Kyle Lowry at this point. Like, that'd be surprising. I think most people would be shocked by that. So what the Heat are looking at, if they're found guilty of whatever you want to call it, gun jumping, tampering, um, you know, draft picks like we've spoken about are are fine, maybe. Um, But as of now, we don't know. It's more of a wait-and-see mode um, to see when this is going to be announced because – it continues to loom over the team now for three-plus weeks. Is this a thing where the longer it goes, the better you feel? The longer it goes, the the more likely it is there's some sort of punishment? Do you have any any sense? No, I mean, I don't know if it makes I guess I guess the longer it goes, maybe I, I don't feel as good about it if I'm the Heat, just because if it was an easy, cut-and-dry like case, it would have been announced already, you know? like Right, one way or the other. One way or the other, right. Um, so it seems like it's a little, you know, a little more complex or complicated case than, you know, I talked to Bobby Marks when this all started and he was talking about some, he, some, uh, something he was involved in when he was working for the Nets uh, in their front office um, with Karolinko. Uh, I guess Karolinko, like, declined a, a, like a 13, I don't know, $13 million option at that point and then ended up re-signing with the Nets for, like, the biannual exception for, like, $3 million. And the NBA was like, huh, what? You know, what, what was that about? So they looked into that. But within two weeks, they had a they had an answer. Um, and the Nets were found not guilty. So, you know, I, I'm guessing the Heat would probably would, would have liked this, to have this resolved a few weeks ago rather than waiting into September. Um, but I, I would think it would be announced soon. I mean, it has to. Like, training camp's in a couple weeks, three, four weeks away. So I was in the next few weeks, we, we should hear, you know, one way or the other from the league. Uh, the real important Lowry question is, do you still don't know what jersey number he's going to wear? Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because if you look at the Heat roster on the team website, it has all the jersey numbers, and Lowry has seven. Um, I asked somebody about that, and they said that it hasn't been decided yet. So I guess we continue to wait. But The reason this is interesting, obviously, is because that yeah. was Gorman's number. Right. And, and yeah. there's a segment of the Heat – world uh, that would like that jersey number to be retired at some point. And it probably, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Goran's number is retired yeah. by the heat down the road. But I don't know. I feel like, A, I don't care about jersey, like jersey numbers that much to begin with. And B, just because he wears number seven now doesn't mean Goran's, numbers won't be, Goran's number won't be retired. Right. Right? It just means it won't happen this year, which obviously is not going to happen this yeah, year. Yeah, it was, it was always going to happen whenever he retired. Yeah. So, I mean, he, Kyle can wear seven, and, and interesting enough, like I was looking at some at this, um, like at other jersey number, Kyle, other jersey numbers Kyle's uh, worn during his career. He also wore one and three earlier in his NBA career. Both those numbers are retired already. So yeah, I don't remember what he was in college. 
I think it was one of those numbers. I yeah, it must have been one. I think it was one, I believe. Um, so, yeah, one and three are not options for Kyle Lowry. So, I, you know, again, it, apparently it hasn't been decided on yet, but if you look at the roster and team website, Kyle Lowry is listed as number seven. He was number one in college. Maybe 77? That's weird. Like Luca? That's weird. Doesn't, wasn't Marquise Morris like a weird number at the Lakers? 88, I think. Yeah, he's eight with the Heat. So, yeah, eight. Uh, oh, eight was retired for Kobe with the Lakers. Uh, well, there maybe the, maybe Lowry goes that round to seventy-seven. Maybe seventy in honor of Bielitsa. Yeah, why not? Why not? I I don't know. I mean, it's I haven't really seen many Heat plays with those big numbers. I guess it it has been done before. I was gonna say like maybe the Heat don't allow that, just knowing how the Heat how strict the Heat are. Um, but I guess it has been done like by Bielitsa and a couple other players in the past. So I guess that's an option, but. I don't know. Part of me just thinks they'll just let him wear number seven just because they're not retiring it yet, so why not, right? Yeah. It would be more, I think, uh, it would be his decision, I think, more than the Heat's, right? Like, if he, you know, a lot of times guys will come in, they'll be like, you know, he, I'm sure, knows how popular Goron was and all that. and He might be like, you know what, I want to wear two or whatever instead, like, instead of seven. Seven. Yeah, it could be. retired. Two is not retired. And, I mean, you run Someone the risk of, like, two. two Two is not retired, no. That's Keith Askins' number, I think. No one has two, right? Uh, I don't believe so. All right. No. Yeah. There Jimmy Butler's 22. 22. Oh, no, actually, Gabe Vincent's number two. Oh, yeah, Gabe Vincent is two, you're right. You can't wear two. Four. Four is Victor Oladipo. Oh, yeah, Victor Oladipo. Five. Five is available. I guess yeah. six. Six has not been retired yet, right? LeBron's six number. should not be like because that's like such an obvious retirement. Like it's LeBron. You, you, you know, it's like the Bulls couldn't give out twenty three while they were waiting to retire yeah. Michael's number. They didn't yeah. even give it to Michael Jordan. <laughs> six is also Mario Chalmers' number, so probably For shouldn't sure. wear that. Um, <laughs> um, uh, yeah. It, it, the, only, the only risk that the Heat run by allowing Kyle to wear number seven is if the Heat win like a championship with Kyle and Kyle is obviously a key player in that right. championship team. Like it's gonna be kinda weird to retire seven for Goron, right? You could retire seven for both. I think teams have done that. I I guess that's an option. It's just yeah, it makes it's it a little weird. more complicated. I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Um all right. That's that's most of the heat topics for this week, I think. <laughs> As you can see there was really no news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we uh, got we got twenty minutes out of it, so that's good. Yeah. Do you want to talk about Miami, Alabama? Yeah, let's do that. I guess we'll, we'll both be there, which... We'll, we'll both be in, in Atlanta. Yeah. I mean, you're you'll not, be working. You're not traveling for work. You're you're no. traveling as a uh, as a spectator. As a quote-unquote spectator. It's kind of like we're flipping roles from Vegas. That's true. Yeah, that is true. You were in Vegas. There. Do you want to come on, Susan and I, and do an emergency uh, UM podcast with Miami Beach, Alabama? If, yeah, when, when Miami Beach, Alabama, I'll do that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I I think, I don't know if this is, like, being, like, too much of a moral victory for the Hurricanes. But if they, like, keep it within 10, that's a win. Like, you feel good about that, right? If you're the Hurricanes. 100%. Like, yeah. Keep it, like, within two touchdowns, I think you feel good about that. They're, last I saw an 18.5-point underdog. No, I think, it's, I think it's up to 20 now. I think it moved is to it, 20. I mean, it probably depends where you look at it. But, yeah, it's pretty sizable. I, I was listening to the radio yesterday, and they were saying that the line moved to 19.5 from 18.5 yesterday, and I saw this morning it was at 20. So Alabama's moving pretty good. Alabama's direction. 
Alabama's pretty good. Yes, it's just if you if you if you're gonna face Alabama, this is the time to do it, right? Because it's the beginning of the season. Like, there's always a few hiccups early in the year. They have a lot of inexperienced guys, a lot of guys, new starters. So, I mean, that's like the only, like, that's the small window the Hurricanes have, I think, are making this a competitive game. So and the Hurricanes have experience. So, what's your, you're, you're in the moral victory is fine camp. Um, obviously, the game is like here. I'm seeing Miami fans like tweeting. Basically, the idea that, they're going in without hope, right? They're going in, like, I think, feeling kind of like you are. What is, like, your expectation? Do you think they keep it within two touchdowns? Um, it's funny because I was going to say, this is, like, the first time I can remember that Hurricane fans are, like, no, entering <laughs> a game expecting to lose. Like, Hurricane fans are usually always talking themselves yeah. into, the, like, <laughs> pulling off the upset, right? Like, even against Clemson last year, I feel like, and like, at some point that week, like, Fans already had talked themselves into okay, we're gonna they're gonna win this game, like they're gonna win this game. But I, I don't sense that this week with Alabama, like it's almost like uh, just going in hoping not to get blown out. Um, yeah, I, I think I, I mean you have to be realistic, right? I mean you have to take you have to take steps as a program to get to get where you want to go, and they really have not played like a top team competitively or kept it competitively kept it competitive in a long time, like. The two games against Clemson in recent years, like, they were blowouts, right? Yeah. So I think a step forward would be playing a team like Alabama, keeping it close until, like, the fourth quarter, and then losing by two touchdowns. I think, you you, you know, again, I know you don't want to lose, but you have to be, like, at least satisfied with that result. Like, at least you've taken a step forward and there's some sense of – there's some progress where you feel like you can compete with, you know, the top teams in the country. So that's my thought on this. Like, can they – can they just make this competitive and show that they belong, you know, in the top ten, let's say, because a top ten team and 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 give and give Alabama a, a somewhat difficult game? Yeah, I guess like because in theory, you know, I think UNC is number ten right now. In theory, that's the team they're competing with. Uh, so I think that's a that's a pretty good barometer for you. Look like a top ten team, um, you know, and top ten teams pretty frequently lose to Alabama by right. three touchdowns. Right, and and. I know Alabama's defense is obviously very good, um, but I, I have pretty good confidence that Miami's going to be able to score. Like, if they're able to score in this game, like, they can keep it close. If they score, like, 25, 30 points, I don't see why this can't be a close game entering, like, the third and fourth quarter, right? I mean, Miami's offense is, should be good this season. So, I don't know. I think that's kind of how they would need – like, I, I don't see how Hurricanes' defense will be able to, you know, shut down Alabama's – offense, but if Miami could score, I think that's kind of how they keep this close. How are you feeling about uh, attending a sporting event as a fan? I'm not uh, feeling good about it. I assume it. the first time since the <laughs> pandemic started, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I I was hoping that the pandemic by now would be a little a little more in control, you know, uh-huh. when we got these You're going to have the roof open. Okay, that's good. Yeah, and, and you know, obviously we'll be wearing a mask and all that. But, yeah, it's going to be different. Like, I haven't really attended a game as a fan. I guess I attended a few Marlins games this season, but that's different. Oh, you did? Yeah, than a packed uh, football stadium. Um, different? Yeah, it's a, little, it's a little different. So it'll be it'll be interesting. I, I'm I'm wondering how many Hurricanes fans will be there in Atlanta. Like, Yeah, I mean, I think, I think there'll be a good amount, but it's just going to be overwhelmed by the Alabama fans, right? Like – I think seventy thirty or eighty twenty. 
70-30 maybe sounds right. Yeah. Somewhere in that range, though. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've, I'm I've excited got to see, like, you know, this is not just the, not, you know, not just, it's going to be the return of, the return of fans in the arena, but it's also like, like Atlanta is going to be, like it's going to just be, there's going to be Miami and Alabama fans walking around all over the place. Like that, that's the kind of thing that even when the national champion or the, uh, uh, like, you know, we had, yeah, the national championship here. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's different, right? It's different than that. Or the orange bowl. Like it's, you know, we haven't had a, a I haven't been in a place like that in a while where, you go around and the whole city kind of feels taken over by the sporting event. Probably not since the Super Bowl right before the pandemic started. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be, that's always fun. Like I've gone to a few road hurricane games growing up. Like, you know, I grew up a, in a family that loves the hurricanes. So I think I went to the the championship in Arizona against Ohio state, the hurricanes lost. I went to a few North Carolina games. I went to a few FSU games. I went to a Florida game. Um, and it's always fun, like, the night before the game, like, to see everyone walking around and, like, everyone wearing their, you know, their respective team sh- shirts and gear and hats and all that. Like, it's trash talk between people. Like, it's just it's just a fun atmosphere, like, leading up to the game. And then, obviously, when the game starts, that's the best part. But I, I, I always love the days also leading up to it as well. What is your uh, What is your Miami prediction for the season? <sighs> um, I mean, their schedule is not – Hard, like it's basically. I mean, in theory, it comes down to that North Carolina game. Like that's the yeah. Those teams seem to be far and away the top two in the the coastal division. Yeah, I'm gonna say ten and two. Okay, I think you have to go ten and two, or at least for the Hurricanes this season. Like you have, they have a lot of guys returning. Their schedule is pretty favorable. I mean, I'm giving them Alabama loss, obviously, and then I. I, you know, it's the Hurricanes, so they probably lose one more game that you don't expect out of right. nowhere. It's like NC State at home after being North Carolina, probably um, on the road. Um, so I'll say ten and two, and I, and I think that's a, that's a good season. And again, that's a, you're look, you're just looking for steps forward if you're the Hurricanes, right? Like just making progress and not not going backwards. And I think ten and two would be a good step for them. Yeah, I think that that sounds about right. Ten and two, like like you said, not necessarily because I think they're going to lose that North Carolina game. I think right. they could win, but it just factors in the the screw up somewhere. Whether it is that Alabama game or that UNC game, or it is that uh, or it is just some other random week where they turn Duke the ball to end the season. Time. Duke to end yeah, the season. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I, I think ten and two is is the. I don't want to say the goal. The goal is obviously eleven and one. The goal is frankly not twelve and zero. <laughs> the, the like the goal should be ten and two, or the goal should be eleven and one. Ten and two being like that's what you should be shooting for. I think like most of the uh, like o- the over under totals are around like nine, um, which factors in maybe losing to UNC and then screwing up one more. But uh, I think the telling thing will be, uh, you know, it's going to come down to that UNC game and the way. That if they lose the way they handle it, and you know if they win, they're probably going to get to the ACC championship. But then if they lose and the season unravels, then then it's the same old Miami, right? Like they'll be, they'll be underdogs in North Carolina in all likelihood. So yeah, especially because on the road too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Just you know, it's, it's, it'll be like a five point line. Like it'll be close. It'll be yeah. kind of where home home field basically determines it. But um, yeah, this is the year where where you, you learn a lot about 
about Manny Diaz and, and company. Um, and qu- question: You you cover this team, you know, daily pretty much with Susan. Um, how do you think? Like, if the Hurricanes are going to keep this game close with Alabama, how do you think they do it? Like, what's the what's the formula? Um, basically, match touchdowns. Like, yeah, I, I, right. I I think it's going to be hard. You know, I know Alabama's got a lot of young guys on offense. They lose Mack. They lose Najee Harris. They lose Devontae Smith. Um, they lose three starters on the offensive line. But um, Miami's front seven is just kind of too inexperienced to, like, trust them to, like, take advantage of that young offensive line. Um, I think it's match touchdowns, basically. And hope Bryce Young screws up a little bit, right? Like, yeah. it's his first, first start, so, like. If he throws two picks, then maybe you're in business a little bit to uh, to pull off this upset. But if, if he gets through the game cleanly, um, I think it's hard to envision Miami pulling off the upset. Yeah, and it, I, I know this is like a – this could be a catch-22 for the Hurricanes and it could work against them, you know, especially if they don't get, like, first downs and sustained drives. But if I'm the Hurricanes, like, you play as fast as possible, right? Like, yeah. You, you got to, like – you got to change the game up. You can't, like, just – play traditional football against Alabama team. Like that's not gonna work. You gotta like try to run as many plays as possible and try to tire this team out. Yeah. I mean I think the when Miami ran into trouble last year it was two things. One, they they started really slow. Um and then two just like three and outs and stuff. And yeah. like it's that that obviously the speed doesn't fix that, but like there were some games where it was like Miami would only have like six possessions in the first half and like the game would be over, basically, because they're, they're just not able – you know, you screw up two possessions and um, it's over, basically. If you, if you if you go three and out twice and they answer with two touchdowns and you're down 14 nothing in no time, uh, it's tough to come back from that. Year two, um, I think they want to play faster. Uh, they're, they're pretty open about, like, the idea that in year two that the, everything should be smoother. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you're right with that. It, it kind of goes against, like you said, conventional wisdom that is when you're the underdog, slow it down. But yeah. I think when you're the underdog, the, the goal is to get the other – the way to win football games, the way to win any sporting event is to get the other team to play your pace. Um, and Alabama wants to go fast too, so maybe it's a problem. But you don't want to change who you are uh, just because you're you're playing Alabama. You want to be the best of what you are. And I think for Miami – you know, they want to win, obviously, but I think it's just as important to them to play well, right? Like, it's just as important to, to be the best version that they of themselves that they can be uh, because it will help them for the rest of the season. You don't want to do something totally different this week and then try to play every other week in a, in a, simil- in a different fashion. Um, and then, then you lose to Alabama and you get nothing out of the game, basically. Yeah, if they beat Alabama... I mean, Kane's Twitter is going to be out of control. <laughs> that's going to be that would be yeah, fun. Yeah. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that's 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 like a that's feel like a national championship, right? I mean, it it's crazy. Be the biggest for, win since the national championship, right? Yeah, yeah. With, I mean, that Notre Dame game, obviously, a few years ago when they rose like number two in the rankings yeah. and they blew out Notre Dame at home, that was a huge win and. That was kind of, I mean, at that point, everyone kind of saw it as, okay, the U is back. It obviously did not result in that because they lost the next week to Pittsburgh. Um, yeah. But, um, yeah, I think just because it's Alabama and you're such a big, I mean, you're a 20-point underdog. Like, I, I don't even know the last time the Hurricanes were 20-point underdogs. Um, if they pull off this upset, yeah, it'd be their biggest win in a long, long time. Yeah. 
All right, I think we can wrap things up there. Uh, thanks for listening to our Heat podcast. <laughs> uh, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. Uh, he will have your Heat coverage for the rest of this week. and then he I don't know be- what I'm writing about, but we'll see. And then he will be in Atlanta, so uh, if you want to find Anthony in Atlanta, uh, just keep an eye out. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at DBWilson, too. I am on uh, last, you know, covering, helping cover the Canes in the last couple of days leading into – Alabama, so follow along there, and and I will also be up in Atlanta this weekend. Um, So, anyway, uh, thanks as always for listening, and we will talk to you guys next week.